Welcome to Masters of Employee Development, Mike Acker's podcast devoted to training team members in any type of organization. As a best-selling author, corporate trainer, and business leader, I seek out guests each week to discuss training successes, challenges, and best practices. On this show, you will hear from incredible CEOs, HR directors, and other experienced managers responsible for leadership and development. Lean in, listen, and take part in a community dedicated to improving life through increasing leadership. Potential. How do you realize if people in your organization or on your team have the potential for a high level of leadership? And how do you develop your own potential? That's what we're going to get into today with Kimberly Gerber on Masters of Employee Development. Kimberly, thank you so much for being on the program with me today. Mike, I am pleased to be here. One of the things I love doing is talking about employee development. And that's why we have this whole podcast and this whole segment on YouTube. And so we're going to dive into that. And really what I want to, I want to see is where do we find C-level potential or executive potential? A lot of the people that are listening and watching here are thinking, I want to either grow my team or I'm on a team and I want to grow into another role. But before we dive into how they do that, tell us a little bit about you and why you're a great person to talk about this topic. Well, about me, um, you know, my background started in marketing many years ago, and uh, I worked for two Fortune 500 companies. One of them was a very flat organization. And so from my early 20s, I was working alongside C-level executives. So my entire career from that point with that starting point has really been working in or at the the executive level. And that was very formative to me as a marketer and particularly a brand strategist. I was able to see in these huge organizations, first at Fleetwood, then at Starbucks, when they understood some of the fundamental principles of communication and I'll even say personal branding, when they really put uh, intention behind how they were showing up for people, how they were impacting people and what they were communicating to people, not just through words, but also through actions, consistency, style, presence. Those leaders were able to create results that were more powerful and more sustainable than leaders who didn't care so much about that and didn't put effort there. And so as a business person, I got very interested in personal development, leadership development, and really understanding how people respond to people, which was great because I'd had a, a, you know, a huge body of work and a ton of success on, you know, getting large groups of people to fall in love with brands and products and services. And so I, I kind of married these, this passion that I had with this expertise that I had and launched Accelerate. And so we've been in, in, in the, doing this work for 20 years this year. So it's a big year for us. Pretty excited about that. And what we do is we work with senior leaders, usually C-level leaders and their teams. And we are working at all times to help them be their best self, be their best person, be their best leader. And with a focus on are they developing the, re- the results they need to to be successful in their current job, Are they getting ready for their next opportunity? So it's results, it's readiness, 
and with all the companies that we're working on, it's about retention. We are actively working to keep the talent that is within the companies that we're working with happy and engaged right where they're at. And so that's what we work on, results, readiness, and retention. And to me, that's a win-win, right? It's a win for today for the company and the individual, and it's a win for tomorrow for the company and the individual. So I'm, I'm pretty passionate about the work and, and I just love what we do. I love that results, readiness, and retention. Mm-hmm. And that retention piece, let's come back to that in just a moment here. Yeah. So you've been in the field, then yep. you've coached, and then you've been doing this for a long point of time and you know, with these different clients. So if you're listening here and you're thinking, I want to go down this path of becoming a, a C-level executive, or yep. I want to become a whatever director, senior manager, et cetera, et cetera. Or if you're listening and you're thinking, gosh, we have a retention issue, or we need to make sure that the great resignation does not deplete our workforce, I think you're going to get some great nuggets here today. First of all, let's start with this. What issues do employers have with with promoting internal talent? Very easy right now to just say, let me just go somewhere else, get a recruiter, and bring in someone external. Mm -hmm. So what issues are employers having when promoting internally? Sure. There's a number of them, and they they kind of run the gamut from uh, too little promotion to too much promotion. So on the too little side, which you know happens a lot, um, what can happen is that that employers, hiring managers, and organizations, first and foremost, they haven't thought about it far enough in advance. So they may acknowledge they've got great talent in certain levels of their organization, but that person they don't deem ready today for the role that they have to fill today. So I think a lot of times folks are looking at like, ooh, what what hole do I need to plug? What gap do I need to fill? There's this opportunity that just came up. I need to, you know, I need people for it. And we've got great people, but they're not ready for this one. And so the problem there is one they may be wrong about readiness two they they shouldn't wait organizations need to have not just leadership development curriculum uh, personal you know professional development opportunities they really need to to use their succession planning tools like the nine grid or the nine box and map out careers for people so that they are ready when those jobs come up, because it's very painful for a talented person who's working really hard and loves their company, loves their organization, but to then not be considered or to be passed over for, you know, a a juicy opportunity that causes attrition. That right there. When you're saying that, I'm thinking about this one client I had a chance to work with and, you know, she's already at the top level the CEO position became available. She's preeminently qualified and they passed her up. Yep. So what did she do? She switched and became CEO. Well, got somewhere another else. CEO job somewhere else. Right. And so they're losing out on two different things. And why do you think it is? Why do you think it is that we sometimes would rather risk an external hire than an internal promotion? I ask people that all the time. I think that when you look at a re- it, the grass is always greener. It, it's the, it really comes down to psychologically, we we want something, and we're not sure, or we're pretty sure we don't have it exactly right here. 
So we want to look outside and when we see a resume and we meet a person that we connect with, we think, ooh, that is going to solve all of our problems. And unfortunately, that's not the case. In fact, there's, there's lots of statistics that prove that an internal promotion has a higher degree of success, especially in senior level roles, than an external uh, hire. And that has a lot to do with, one, we're our best in the interview process. And so whatever you hire, it's not that good. It's not as good as it was on paper. And then they have to learn the culture. And so their, their, their ramp is often much longer. And so in that process, in that ramp process, there's so much opportunity for failure and to realize, ooh, I made that, that hire too quickly. Oh, and by the way, the person that should have got that job left. So now there's this gaping hole. And so there are all kinds of things happen when talent is overlooked in, you know, for an external hire. And there's a number of situations. In fact, in my role working with senior leaders, I'm I'm often trying to, if they start to go in that direction, I'm I'm really having them strategize about is that the right thing to do? Is this the right time? And is there anyone that can be elevated in in a time frame that would make an internal promotion a better strategic choice? So so all of that kind of goes under one reason that um, companies really struggle with internal promotees is not planning in advance. Another problem, and I'm seeing this a lot, is when we've hired someone maybe two, three, four years ago into a role and they've done that role really well, well, when then, we, then we have another opportunity come up. We don't pull up their resume. We don't look at what we're not using that might be in their toolkit. So a lot of times, one of the things that can happen, you know, they bring someone in from the outside and someone talented in the organization looks at their resume and says, why did I get passed over? I actually have already done that job five years ago. But we forget. And because they might not be doing that today, the organization forgets that they or just doesn't know that they have that that capacity and that capability. And this again points to why career pathing for specific individuals and revisiting those career paths routinely at least once a year is essential to make sure that we un, we know who we have. We know all the jewels that is already, you know, in our team so that we can we can elevate them in advance and that we're not overlooking what they have to offer because that they almost always have more to offer. Um, and so the third thing, and then I'll wrap this question up for you, but the third thing on the side of why we don't promote is we don't want to take the risk. We don't want to upset the apple cart. We don't want to, if we, if we promote one person, then we're going to have this, everyone else at their level is going to want a promotion. And so a lot of times there's an emotional avoidance that happens when we ought to promote from within, but we know that there's implications and we just don't wanna deal with them. And so organizations have to be more strategic. And again, it really does go back to the whole planning thing. If, if they're more planful about how they're gonna elevate people, then, there's, then that risk, that's not really a risk because everyone else has got a plan too. Right. So those are some reasons why companies hesitate to hire from within and, and go external. 
on the so, other side. So on that right there, because yeah. so on that right there, it almost makes it feel like you got more, like you should just promote from within, but you can be too far this side too. So yeah. when, when should you be looking outside? And, and really even someone listening here going, well, I want to be promoted. How do yeah. I, how do I pitch myself? And so you're making some good points. Like if you're sitting here listening, you're driving your car or you're doing whatever you're doing and you think, I want to be internally promoted. Okay. So bring out your resume, bring, mm -hmm. pull up your past experience, apply yeah. for that job. Like your brand yeah. new, get noticed, yeah. all those kind of things. Now I got the ambient noise, noise here. <laughs> I um, so I, I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about a tool for conversation to tee up that, that discussion. So a person who might be listening that wants to be considered, that wants to be looked at, that wants a career path that they could bring to their manager and start a dialogue that is balanced and healthy. Because it can be a tricky place to tell your organization, hey, I am really, uh, I wanna be assertive about my career. And then a whole, you know, people are like, ooh, do we have a retention issue? And that's yeah. the case. Yeah. So we've created we some tools for that. That would be good. Yeah. Talk to us about that to be, but also talk to us about the other side of yeah. that same thing. That'd be great. So the other side, the bookend is I have also seen with devastating consequences, people in organizations who are over promoted or incorrectly promoted. So it happens because it, it, it happens because there are people in organizations who have a lot of potential. They they might be young, they might be early in their careers, but they're 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 pacing intellectually um, from a social capital perspective. They're pacing well beyond their peers, and so they stand out. And we call them high potentials. And the high high potentials, the really truly talented high potentials, they often run the risk of being over promoted and over promoted i look at, at over promotion is when people are being moved through roles more quickly than they can absorb the activity within a role and make an impact and i'm going to give a generic time frame although people will debate me on this and that's fine because it's not a perfect science but if someone is moving from role A to role B, or a, a tremendous increase in responsibility, even if it's not a role change, with in less than 18 months to two years, they run the risk of being overpromoted. Now, what I've seen with the talent issues that we've had in the last probably seven years, it, and the and the youth. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, Can you say that one more time? Because I think that's just absolutely fascinating for everybody listening. What's the stats there on overpromoted? What's that number again? 18 months to two years. Okay. Which is, that's a painful thing for some of our younger people to hear because they want to move much faster. I'll, I, an anecdote, I was in a, a, I was teaching a workshop for a client the other day and they're having this problem where people are pushing on, hey, I've been here six months, where's my promotion? And it's not even healthy for them to be promoted within six months. So I brought these numbers up to them. I shared some statistics and, and we had a discussion around it and they, you know, they're, they're, you know, early 30 somethings in already big roles, director level and above. And they're saying, well, I feel like I'm not moving fast enough. If I don't, if, if like eight months goes by and I'm not in a new role. And 
the world moves fast. We need more than eight months to really ground in the responsibilities, especially, especially if they require complicated execution, if they require strategic thinking and planning, if they require people management. And at the higher levels that folks are talking about, those jobs require all three. So, so 18 months to two years is a really good baseline. Up to five years. It's, it's so fascinating. Up. Pause. I'm thinking about so many of my clients right now who are in the startup world. Mm. And so they're, you know, they're coming in fresh out. Of, I mean, I meet with some amazing 23, 24, yeah. 25 year olds, just absolutely amazing like you do. And they're just so extremely talented and they're coming in fresh out of graduating from their undergrad or maybe with their MBA and they're mm-hmm. coming in to a director level position at a, at a startup. But then at some point in time, they're kind of crossing over to an Amazon type world and they're trying right. to get that similar position. And it's just not going to happen. Right. And even if they do. So, so what I see with the, with the problem of over-promotion is that so one overpromotion, most people will stress out, but they'll maybe figure it out. What I see with the highest and the more aggressive um, uh, high potentials is that they might get two or three promotions in a year, another six months, and then a job open comes up and this person's been so trust- trustworthy. So I'm gonna give them a hybrid job. I'm gonna mash these two together because they can handle it. And the fallout from that is devastating because what's happened is you've put way too much job pressure on an individual who's way too underexperienced. So even if they're talented for it, even if it's right going to be in their wheelhouse one day, the amount of experience that they lack, it makes it, it becomes transparent. And so the rest of the organization starts to see them stumble and fail. And the minute that happens, the whole imposter syndrome comes in and it doesn't matter whether you're male or female, it takes over and it starts to erode confidence. Eroded confidence leads to poor decision-making, leads to drifting projects. And all of a sudden this real high potential who's got amazing trajectory becomes a kind of a basket case and starts to underperform. And, and, and then, then the organization looks at them negatively and then they're, you know, put out to pasture or they leave. And I've seen much more devastating things happen. So overpromotion is something to avoid. And the organization can avoid it by having good standards and, and being open to multiple people weighing in on whether someone is mature enough and experienced enough for a role. And then the individual has responsibility here too, to kind of restrain themselves, kind of pull back the harness and yeah. know, and this is something I would tell my younger self if I could, <laughs> everything is, it's coming. It's all coming. It's all there for you. It's all there. It is yep. coming. Pace yourself, enjoy the process, because if you enjoy today, you will set yourself up to enjoy tomorrow and not the early forties, mid forties and stressed out. Oh, this is so good. Kimberly, I'm, you got my mind thinking a couple of different tracks here. And in, in a moment, I want to take us back down to this executive idea right here. But I think, one, you're taking me back to my younger self as well. At 26, I got promoted to executive director role. 
And I thought I got to take it, got to pressure. I couldn't say no. Couldn't say no. Mm -hmm. But now if I could go back, I would have probably kept along the lines of travel and experience and learn and more education, all those different things that I could have done without all of that stress. Yeah. And then by the time I was mid thirties, I had actually quite peaked quite high. Yeah. And then I decided to make a career change because it was like, I'm, I'm here at 35 years old. I'm at the top. <laughs> what do I do now? Right. And, and really that led into a whole series of transitions to the point where I restarted a whole career. So it's very interesting for me to hear what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And for people who are listening, they can either go, yeah, I've been there, Kimberly. I've been there, Mike. I got it. Yeah. Or they're going, no, I'm not quite sure. So maybe yeah. if you're listening and you're going, okay, I'm not quite sure if I believe in overpromotion. I'm a 33-year-old and I'm kicking butts and I'm leaving people behind and I'm just doing amazing things. But just go back to, are you experiencing imposter syndrome? How would you classify your maturity? Can you get some external feedback from executive coach? Kind of some of the things that Kimberly yeah. and I do. And and can you get, is, is there something else you should do? Because you do got a long career path ahead. My dad's 73, it's still working. <laughs> Absolutely. And I want to add something to your list. Yeah. There is a personal litmus test for oh. for whether you're ready whether you're ready to not be, you know, to take the next step without feeling overpromoted. Yeah. And that is, have you mastered your current role and are you executing it at ease? Oh. Are you master? Have you mastered your current role, mm-hmm. and are you executing it at ease? Twenty-five-year-old mm-hmm. Mike says no. He was not. Yeah. No. And and so not that there's no stressful days. You know, you're not going to be like, oh yeah, everything's roses. There, we know if we are if we're if if we're operating at ease, it's with confidence. It's with the yeah, we can manage our schedule. We've got great self-regulation. We're not bumping into other people with personality issues and style issues. We're at ease. Yeah. We're at ease in this role. If you're at ease in the, your role, you go on to the next one. Yeah. And if you've mastered it. So one of the things that's interesting is because I was in kind of an associate role mm-hmm. before becoming the director, there were some things that I hadn't finished. I hadn't mastered. I hadn't done to the fullness and so later on, I wanted to go back and do those uh, kind of chasing yeah. back. Yeah. And sometimes we flip flop because we move before we actually finish something. It, it is true. And that's one of the things that I look for is, have you gone through the full cycle of what this job is? Because, yeah. you know, if we think about it, there, there's a rhythm to everything. If you're in a job where you're, you know, doing planning and then you've got to execute and then you've got to, you know, implement and you know have you gone through the whole cycle of your role yet have you gone through it twice (laughs) right because that first time's clunky and the second time hey you know and i think that that's why i personally look for 18 months to two years at the minimum because then we know we've gone through the cycle of the of the role at least one and a half to two times anything shy of that it's a risk for the organization and it's a risk for the individual. I, I have had um, to help people out of really, you know, just unfortunate situations and, and health impacting situations that are a result of overpromotion. 
And what you said, and I know I felt it too as a younger person, it is trusting that that an opportunity that is there, it's like a bird in the hand or two in the bush. My mom used to love that saying. We are so inclined to take the bird in the hand, not, not knowing that if we just wait and we master this and we enjoy it, then there's, there is two in the bush for us. Cause it's That's the good. pause that becomes a springboard. Yeah. So my first book is on speaking without fear. And so a lot of people who end up having imposter syndrome, which I do talk about elsewhere, end up coming to me because they have imposter syndrome, which is part of the reason why they speak with fear. Mm-hmm. And that overpromotion is a huge reason why people have that imposter mm-hmm. syndrome, which is very commonly diagnosed and most people probably listening to this have heard about it and i've taught about it on previous podcasts as well very fascinating now let's, let's dive into more of that executive aspect so we're talking now about people who they have mastered they they yeah. have done this yeah. they've they've excelled how would you define the executive presence that we want that person to have i love that question i so executive presence comes from within first and foremost, and it and it's confidence. So there's many elements to executive presence, and and people have a hard time saying exactly what it is. Yeah. But it is the je ne sais quoi. It's the it factor that people lean in. People are magnetized to you because what radiates is positive energy, not necessarily happy energy. Positive energy authority, confidence, and competence. And there's a lot of things we can do on a tactical side to make sure that we're doing everything we can physically to exude executive presence. However, we can't hold that frame long if it's not truly within us to be confident. And that's where the imposter syndrome, you know, really creates a veneer of executive presence for some people. And and that's only for the people who are hardwired to naturally show up poised, which is, you know, maybe 20% of the population. The other 80%, they really are gonna rely on that inner confidence to show up in a way that magnetizes other people to them. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I like that you, the it factor, the genesequa, the, the, magnetism. I always thought about that people with charisma, which is not, in my opinion, is not the same as executive presence. Right. I agree. Presence, I agree. That yeah. a charisma is you, you want that person to like you. Like I actually went to a coffee one time with a person who had been a leader at something else. And I actually knew his track record okay. and did not respect him as a leader. But funny thing is I was in my young thirties and I was doing quite well. And I sat down with him and I felt myself wanting him to like me. And he was always described as a charismatic personality. And I right. thought, yeah, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. He, there's something in him that I, I want to impress him. I want, I want him to like me. <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a pretty self-confident person. So it's interesting <laughs> for me to notice that. But executive presence is almost where you don't care if people like you or not. Mm-hmm. you are going to be you and you're going to be you well, yeah. confidently, hu- humble, mm-hmm. and you're going to 
Okay, so we can unpack that a little bit. What do you think goes into building, like, so someone's a great young leader, they're listening mm-hmm. to this, or someone's in HR and they want to develop this. So yeah. what goes into developing someone with executive presence? So are you talking about how do we how do we help people become, you know, have the skills of executive presence or exude more? Yeah. Okay. So I, so one thing would be body disposition. One of the visible elements of executive presence is how you hold yourself. Do you have good posture? Do you hold your head up? And, you know, are you walking with a certain cadence? Are you moving? Do you speak? Do you gesture? So the first thing that anybody can work on, and this is it, this is the fake it while you make it, but is your body disposition. It's really understanding the body dispositions of stability and resolution and openness and how they change the environment that you're in, how they get people to, you know, if you if you're really aware of your body disposition and have some intention around that, you can change what's happening in a room. So one of the first things about presence is kind of like literally your bearing. It's your bearing. And today, it's funny, I was just with my niece the other day and I probably, you know, mortified her because her posture was not what it should be and could be. She's a beautiful girl and she's young. But to kids today, and I've got three and they're all looking at their, you know, they're looking at their things. And I thought, oh, she's she's tall to begin with. And and really I was like, oh, let's work on that posture. You know, that it will transform how you're showing up for others. So work on your posture. Understand that you have control over your body dispositions. And this is something that I do a lot of work with people. Um, to help them elevate and feel more confident about how they're showing up in any situation, whether they're sitting at a table, standing, walking, networking, doesn't matter, but start with posture and then breathing. Breathing is another piece of executive presence because you were saying it before, executive presence, there's a, like a, a control. People with executive presence, they might be joyful, they might be really animated, but they're in control and that comes from breathing. The other thing that breathing and good posture do is they enhance your voice command. So these are all technical elements of executive presence that people can master while they're working on confidence. And I personally think confidence, true confidence comes from knowing what you're talented to do, and how that how those talents combine to make you unique and valuable so when we're in an organization we might be hired for a job and we might it might be really clear to us how we add value but sometimes it's not clear and so really taking the time to figure out what is my value i i spend some time in some of the work that i do helping people understand the economic value that they provide to their organization and that is really confidence building because if you know, like, hey, without me, these millions of dollars don't really trickle in. And I'm not talking just salespeople, because that's the, they have the easy ones, right? They're the salespeople, right. they're the rainmakers. I'm talking about people who are in operations, who, who design systems and implement and execute at a high level, and they 
may save the organization. They may also bring in revenue through their you know, service recovery. Um, marketers, uh, that's, there's a lot of intangibles there sometimes. So it's really understanding what are you talented to do? How are you using those talents and how can you use them more often? And, um, and then what value does that bring to the organization? And when people know that, they shine a bit brighter. That's fantastic. I love that you started out with something that <laughs> that I've discovered when I've been working with different executive clients. You know, you meet with them and probably had the same situation that you've had where you think you're going to talk about some of the theory and some of the practices. And then pretty soon you're you're standing with someone and you say, stand up, do this, <laughs> do this differently. And yeah. all of a sudden you're in a whole different role than what you thought. Yeah. But there's so much science. And I thought Amy Cuddy does a great job of oh, that she, in her video yeah. Yeah. On, on TED, one of the top 10 ones yep. watched. I'll For often sure. refer people, just go watch that and then we can work on it together with Kimberly and, and figure yep. this out. Let, let's wrap up with this idea. This has been fascinating. I know we could go so many different directions here. For sure. And let's talk a little bit about how leadership has evolved mm -hmm. because I think that's an important thing to realize especially for, for people to realize they're in this intergenerational workforce yeah. and leadership has been seen indifferently in different stages over the last 20, 30, 40 years. So if you're working with someone older like my dad mm -hmm. and you're younger, you're going to see it's differently, yeah, but yeah. vice versa, he's going to see it differently. Mm -hmm. So let's go there. But then also let's talk about what are some of the most important executive leadership areas to address. Okay. So let's help people understand leadership mm -hmm. and then help us understand what executive leadership areas people can address, whether they're HR, people development, or they're the employee. Sure. So the first one was, that was about how leadership's changed and evolved. Right. Okay. So one of the things that I, I think there are trends and they're going to be familiar to you and, and, and also to the listeners, but I'll, I'll share them briefly anyway. And one is that that leadership, you know, you go back to the 90s, the 80s, it was very top down. And it didn't matter whether it was a male or a female leading, it was, here's, you know, the organization sets the tone and everyone follows and, you know, we're, we're good soldiers. And I, I think in those, if you thought about it, there's a, a fewer chiefs and a lot more Indians, right? And things kind of had a cadence, a hierarchy that was more clear and formal. And that has definitely changed today. I think that now it's the top down, bottom up, sideways in. I think that that organizations and leaders have more burden to meet the needs of all stakeholders in many dimensions. And so leadership is way more complex today. I think then too, if you look at the the expansion of, of women's roles in higher level leadership, you see less of the top down, more of the community building, not necessarily consensus building, but inclusive leadership, I think is one of the impacts that, that I think that females have had in the workplace over time. And, and I don't think it's exclusive to females. I think it's one of those things that probably more women just organically work that way. And then that's become something that is very important in leadership today. Um, I also think, and we, we talked on this a little bit with the executive presence and you brought it up, I think likability is way more important today than it was 25 years ago. Very interesting. Yeah. 
the amount of social capital you can build is not only going to get you farther in your career, it's going to enable you to get your work done today. And, yeah. and so I'm sure you're coaching a lot of folks that don't prioritize that and therefore they, they're missing out. And so I think those are just some of the ways, I mean, there's many, but I think those are some of the big ways that, that leadership has changed over the last you know, decade or two. I want to throw um, in something too, because yeah. of the, the visibility of our leadership. Before you would be Thank 40 you. years ago, yeah. you're only visible if you're in a small town leader. You know, like uh, when I was a, a kid, uh, we went to a, a church that was a huge church in a town of 2000. It was a church of 1500. Now, of course, it had a lot of people coming from the area. So that guy was visible because right. he's living in a small little town in the 80s. But most people were not. And if he was in a big city, no one would know who, who he is. Yeah. Yeah. And no one has social media. And he didn't have a podcast. He didn't have other things. But now, it doesn't matter who you are. You're way more visible to everybody. Yeah. I want to build on that. I should have led with that because I think that's one of the biggest changes, especially in higher level leadership today, Yeah, is the pressure not to misstep Oof. is extraordinary. You it keeps people miss, from leadership. You get, it, it actually has. I, I had a client not too long ago say, I don't know if I want the CEO role because I don't know if I want to live under that big of a microscope. And, and they were being self-aware in that conversation because they, they have a certain lovely, fun irreverence about them. But today, you, you really, if you take on the big mantle at a C-level role, at a president or a CEO role, you could come under some scrutiny that five years ago you didn't, 10 years ago you sure didn't. But today, it, it, and, and the, the dimensions mm -hmm. of sensitivity in an organization and in the world yeah. are so much more elevated today. So people have to be very careful and well-spoken and not speak off the cuff as much as they used to because social media and you know just the the immediate availability and the lack of opportunity to, to recover oh my gosh yeah <laughs> for, for pros and cons right there's pros and cons of right. pros and cons <laughs> yeah yeah i mean there's some, there's some positive implications of that but for leaders um you know good people say stupid things sometimes and and sometimes they can be unrecoverable yeah it's true or you can give a slap We'll yeah. move right on past that. We'll move right on past that. <laughs> That's right. So what are some executive leadership areas to address? So your HR watching this leadership development, you're thinking, mm -hmm. okay, what are some things I need to be watching? Or you're someone who wants to be in growing levels of leadership. You're yeah. ready. You've mastered. You've done it. You have the maturity. You know that you're going to be visible and you're mm -hmm. okay with that. So what are these areas that we need to address? So there's a couple of things that when we look at the, the gap between, let's say someone who is uh, in a senior role, director, senior director, vice president, that level, and wanting to get to the next level, there's, there's almost an invisible gap. Uh, it's almost like the safari. You know, you're driving by the safari and you're like, oh, that, that tiger is really close. They're not, it's, it's an illusion, but there's this big chasm 
that that tiger is not going to cross. And so you know what I'm talking about there. Yep, 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 yep. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> so that, that is that is a good metaphor for what it's like to go from a senior leader into an executive level role. It looks close. You think you're right there, but there's really a chasm and you don't know it's there. And I think that yeah. that happens with a lot of first time C level leaders. So the mm. things that we that we are always looking at for C-level leaders are strategic leadership. A lot of people get to the get to that level with amazing results, but they haven't actually mastered strategy. They might be able to do a strategic operating plan because they're taking information and they're creating the best plan they can, and then they're able to execute it, but they're yeah. not necessarily able to think three and four years out or 10 years out. And when you take on that C-level mantle, you've got to be able to do that. Or let's say you're not designed to do that. That's not of interest to you. You have to know what it is, what it looks like, and, it, and know how to equip yourself to deliver strategically, to deliver strategy. So that's something that is often in that chasm. People get there and, and they've been brilliant at what they have done and how they've gotten there. It's the, what got you here won't get you there. Mm -hmm. And then they falter and they fail. And people say like, what is that person thinking? Like right. that's not smart strategy. Self-leadership is a second area and this is a combination of emotional intelligence, uh, self-regulation and habit building. And it covers a number of things, but the reason it becomes vital in the executive levels is because you've got no one watching you. You don't have, you might have a CEO as a boss, but that person ought to be not having to watch you in your self-regulation. So self-leadership becomes very important. And we spend a fair amount of time helping people set up systems so that they don't burn out yeah. and so that they are able to protect their public brand, their leadership brand, which is the other area that people think, oh, I've got it mastered. People love me. People love working with me. Mm -hmm. Great. But when you get to the level where now you're like we were talking about a public facing person at the C-level, it doesn't even have to be CEO. Do you know how to talk to an analyst? Do you know how to show up for a media event? Do you know how to be, you know, uh, pulled impromptu out of your seat at an event to introduce your company, even though you're not the sales or marketing person? but you're the C-level highest ranking person in the room. Do you know how to step into the public limelight and do yourself and your company justice? And most people don't, not unless they've been in a role that already trained them for that, which that's a small percentage of the roles. So those are just three of five areas where we're, we're really wanting people to understand yeah. that there's that gap between the car that they're driving today and the lion over there. Oh, that's fantastic. Kimberly, where can people find out more about you, what you have? Because I'm sure even as they're listening to that part right there, they're going, okay, tell me, tell me more. So where can people find you? Where can people get access to more of this? Sure. sure. The easiest place to, to find um, to find us is going to be our website. And that is I, the letter I, Accelerate, E-X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E.com. 
And if you Google Accelerate or Google my name, Kimberly Gerber, that's going to pop up. And, and there's a lot of good things like free resources. I mentioned, and I don't want to disappoint the audience, the Career Snapshot yeah. is a tool that we offer uh, folks. They can, they can sign up, get into our, our free resources, and download that tool. There's some instructions on there. It's a great tool for being candid with yourself about where you are where you want to go, what skills you have mastered, which ones you need to master, and the most important part, what are the behaviors and habits that are making you successful or, and limiting you today, and how do you change them? And that's a great tool to fill it out, bring it to your supervisor, your manager, and have an open discussion about how to get from where you are today to where you want to be with the right skill set. Uh, that's fantastic. And we'll put all those links inside the, the show notes on the podcast and also on the YouTube so people can check it out and find it quickly. But I'm glad you mentioned it as well. But you don't have to stop your car and pull over real quick. If you're driving. <laughs> you just get it later on. Just look at right. your Apple show notes or whatever platform you listen to. But Kimberly, thank you so much. Really appreciate you being on the show today. Oh, it was my pleasure, Mike. This is a lot of fun. I love these topics. Thank you. And so much, so much to all of our audience as well. Really appreciate you for taking time to listen to this conversation, for you to learn some different areas. And please take a moment to like, subscribe, share, maybe pass this on to somebody that you know is on that kind of trajectory of realizing their potential. And until next time, this has been Masters of Employee Development with Mike Acker and Kimberly Gerber. Have a great day. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Masters of Employee Development. Do you know someone who would be a great guest? Send them to mikeacker.com forward slash apply. Do you want the show notes? Go to connect.mikeacker.com. Until next time, subscribe, rate, and give a review on Amazon or iTunes or your favorite platform.